Crypto for Planners. You are now tuned in to Crypto for Planners. All financial advisors are welcome to Crypto for Planners. Crypto for Planners. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Crypto for Planners podcast, the CFP, and of course, the only CFP that matters. So today we have a a special guest, Julian Genestu, the founder of Unlock Protocol. Uh, is joining us all the way from France, where he is in kind of a COVID quarantine right now. So Julian, uh, appreciate you being here. Of course. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, sorry first for my little accent and then also for speaking with my nose. As you said, I'm technically COVID positive, so I'm stuck here for a couple more days, but I'm feeling actually pretty good. Not a problem, and we, we're glad you're feeling okay, and, and we're glad you're able to join me here and talk about this. Of course, uh, I've known Julian for you know maybe a couple of years that we've been going back and forth, and I heard about Unlock Protocol, and I'll let you explain it in just a moment. But the most uh, one of the most exciting features, or, or one of the most exciting parts of, of this podcast and getting to talk to you here is we at at PlannerDAO have recently utilized the Unlock Protocol for our Certified Digital Asset Advisor designation. So we're one of the first designations and certifications probably in the world to utilize uh, what is basically an NFT, a non-fungible token. Um, and in that case, we're utilizing Unlock Protocol to be able to distribute these certification tokens to those that have gone through our course rather than, you know, issuing them, you know, a piece of paper or something that they can download and print or something that they get sent in the mail that they're going to put in a frame on their wall. We're issuing them a token. And so we'll talk about some of the reasons in just a moment, but, you know, after you explain unlock protocol, but part of it is because that certificate on the wall doesn't do a whole lot. The token uh, beyond being, you know, part of media hype and such around NFTs is actually going to give us some functionality. It's actually going to help us as we try to grow the, the value of the certification. So with that, Julian, I'll let you talk a little bit about Unlock Protocol first and, and a little bit about how it works. And then we'll get into talking about DAOs and NFTs and and, and where something like, like Unlock or where NFTs is going to take the you know investment in, in the DeFi and financial service world. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Um, Unlock, as you said, is a protocol for memberships. It's basically a way for any kind of creator, group, organization, brand to um, define a contract of what it is to be a member of a community. And so when you define what it is to be a member, you set a price for the membership and it might be zero or infinite uh, like, you, like you guys do. Those people don't cannot purchase the membership, but you can imagine there's clubs where you can purchase the membership. Uh, you can um, set the number of members that the, the community is going to have. You can set the currency that people are going to have. You set the duration that a membership is ready for. Is it a week? Is it a month? Is it an hour? Is it a day? Uh, everything is possible. And then once you have defined these in a contract, basically, uh, people can easily either purchase or get, receive um, their membership granted by the organizers of the of the of the smart contract. Uh, and these membership that they receive are represented as non-fungible tokens. So obviously NFTs, everybody has heard of NFTs or not everybody, but many, many people have heard of NFT uh, in the last year, obviously. Um, and generally it's, it's the idea that NFTs are a good way to represent ownership of a piece of art. But in practice, nothing in the NFT specification or term says that it's for art. You think of it as a label, uh, obviously that is a good way to represent a deed for a piece of art, for example, but it's also a good way to represent a badge or a member's card and or a diploma or, um, a certification like you guys do. And so uh, we're deeply convinced that um, by, as you said, 
taking them from the world and putting them in software. They become programmable. They become um, composable. And maybe we'll define what these terms mean, but they become usable in software uh, in ways that allow anyone to build interesting application on top of them rather than actually just have them sit on the wall where they're actually uh, not that useful at all. So real quickly talk about, because I know you, you basically created Unlock Protocol more for, for kind of memberships, and I've seen it work in practice for things like, uh, I believe you work with Forbes, if I'm not Forbes.com, uh, yes. mistaken. Yeah. So talk a little bit about how it has worked in practice for the, the real membership aspect, and then we'll talk about how it might work for the, the certification like we're doing. Yeah, and to be clear, I do think certifications are membership, right? Like you are a, a member of the group of people that have been certified, basically, uh, is, is a way to think about this. So uh, initially, I'm coming myself from the uh, publishing world. Uh, my previous company was acquired by Medium, the publishing platform, and I worked for Medium for a couple of years. And I realized like uh, every content, all of the contents that we consume online is usually monetized through what we call attention ads. And that creates a whole lot of problems and a lot of platforms, a lot of um, publishers and creators have slowly moved towards what they call, and I think is rightly called memberships. It's the idea that people are going to pay maybe to access some content without ads or access some content that would not be available without it. Uh, and you can think of here, like the paywall in the New York Times is a good example of this, or Spotify, where you pay 10 bucks a month and you listen to the music, or 11, what it is uh, these days on Netflix. But even more st st stuff like Patreon, where there's some musicians, some artists, some creators that are selling these memberships so that people can access uh, the content. And again, that pattern I, I felt was more and more present on the web. And it really the idea of like, okay, cool, it is more present, but can we normalize it? Can we make it work the same, as I to often say, across all of the websites, all of the application in the world, so that it becomes much more easily programmable and reusable across across the world. Uh, and so you, you obviously use this uh, as certification, but we, we start to see people use it in a very different context. So obviously we have the media publishers. So uh, Forbes is a good example of this. There is a, a, a good number of blogs at this point on very different fields. Uh, I was actually earlier this week debugging or helping debug uh, a blog that uh, does uh, horse racing and provides uh, um, insights on what to pick as the right horse for the race. Uh, and basically they did a membership and they say, hey, if you're a member of the community, you can access some of our private data. If you're not a member, you cannot access that data. So it's a Bloomberg model. I'm sure, I'm sure people are uh, pretty familiar with the Bloomberg model in your, in your field. Um, we, we're seeing people use that for e-commerce. So say, hey, you're a member of that brand, you get access to discounts or uh, free shipping on the goods that they would send you. So really the membership pattern is something that is everywhere and certification is definitely one of the subsets of that membership pattern. Okay, so it would be instead of having to get a membership, for instance, to, and, and have my username and password uh, and have to have that stored or in, in where we're seeing a lot of websites go or a lot of memberships go is just signing with Google or yes. signing with Facebook or signing with Twitter. And this gets to the heart of, you know, kind of something that we all call Web3, yes. which says, I'm going to get to control all this with my wallet, with my Web3 wallet. My and therefore, exists. my sign in is going to be the fact that I have this wallet. And therefore, you Google don't get to, you don't get my data. Not right? only that, that, that's kind of one of the most important things. That is exactly one of the critical aspects of this is like, now I'm in charge of who I am and what information I disclose when I go to a website. And so that starts to be much healthier in terms of privacy, but also more importantly, it, it feels like one thing that we could do is like, hey, okay, I'm, I'm going to create, uh, you know, uh, a certification for French uh, analysts. Uh, and I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to create my own membership here, but I'm going to give access for free 
to all of the people that have been certified in the US because I recognize this. Um, we don't have to have a business relationship. I can just say, hey, you know what? I know what is the what is the certification the contract address that you use, and so I'll just give access to these American members to my French uh, to my French uh, financial planners. And, and, and so that's the thing that becomes possible, which would be impossible to do uh, if I were to use. Uh, I mean to require that Google would expose me that information that somebody's a member of, of or has the the, the, the CFP uh, from the from the US version in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that, that completely makes sense. So now, um, uh, again, we get to more functionality, right? Yes. How can I, I use this? And it potentially has more value to me, right? I mean, we've already seen, you know, musicians and, art, and artists be able to sell uh, NFTs and we know that the NFT is really just a token that represents the art or that represents the music. So in this case, if it's a membership someplace, well, now that I have that token, maybe depending on how it was created, I maybe can sell my membership to someone else. Maybe there's a third part, there's, there's a secondary it's market for it. Absolutely right. So not only maybe there's a secondary market, but like you can, you as the, as the organization that minted or created a contract for the membership, you can decide what are the terms. So are these membership transferable? Obviously, in your case, I don't think they should be. Like a CFP, you get certified, you can't really send that to your mother or to your cousin. It doesn't really apply. But for a media side, you can say, you know what? Yeah, I would be fine if people transfer their membership to somebody else. And when they do so, maybe you set terms and say, cool, they can transfer, but every time they do so, they need to pay a little fee to, to do that. So basically, I would monetize the secondary market. That's one way of doing things. There is a ton of different applications that uh, completely uh, arrive from there. For, for example, you could lend a membership. So say my Netflix account is an NFT now. I can say, cool, I'm going to watch Netflix, but you know what? Uh, I'm going to be away on vacation for a month. Maybe I'm going to lend my Netflix account to somebody else. So what I'm going to do here is transfer ownership of that NFT to them, but retain the transfer rights. So that means that I would basically transfer you the NFT. So now it's yours, but I, I keep for myself the ability to transfer it back to me at any point. So basically, when I'm back from vacation, I was like, you know what? Uh, give me back my Netflix account. I'm, I'm, I want to go back watch my movies. And so that's one thing that is obviously perfectly doable uh, with this. And again, going back to your analogy, which I loved about the fact that memberships are on the wall. So uh, as, a, as a, the certification, it's pretty true. But like, if you think about membership for Netflix, now it's inside the Netflix database. It is not programmable. It's something that Netflix has full control over. Me as a user has very little way of leveraging this. But by putting this on a blockchain inside of software that is now available for everyone and interoperable with every system means that it becomes programmable and you can imagine a, a million different things that could arise from that. Right. And I think of things like um, if I just put a new roof on my house and the warranty for it is a 10-year warranty that's transferable to the next owner, well, why shouldn't the warranty, why shouldn't anything like that that's transferable along with my house be transferable in in token form like that that just makes it more sense and you might say well you can transfer in other ways you can give someone a piece of paper so but hard. this it, it it makes it much simpler it makes me it makes it easier for me to keep this up and once you start to go down those roads you start to think down you know other roads so in in the case of the certified digital asset advisor the certification we have yes you could think it's a it's you know really cool and gimmicky to send people a token but in reality what we can do eventually is say uh, there's a particular service or product or or uh, token you can buy or yes. wallet you can use. And the only way that you are able to use that is you have to have the certified digital asset Absolutely. advisor token sitting in your wallet because you, we have to verify that you have the knowledge necessary 
to be able to use this. Otherwise, you're you're you might be hurting your clients. Absolutely right. It's exactly the kind of thing that I was going to go for. Is like you can create products that require ownership of one of these uh, CFP tokens to sh say, you know what, you want to use this. Uh, it is for it's a it's a service. It's a it's a it's a tool that's only for people that we recognize as professionals. And the proof of professionalism in some way is that CFP token. Another thing that I think is is maybe applicable and kind of not too far from this. And your your certification, you imagine things like, hey, it's a very expensive certification. It costs like say ten thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, and maybe not everybody can uh, can purchase it upfront. And so what you would say is, hey, fine, you would get the certification, but we basically you still own the certification, but this time the DAO or the organization that mints the certification would retain the transfer right of the certification. So we'll give it to you, but now every month you have to pay back, I don't know, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. It's like purchase it over time. And if you stop paying, then we'll take it back from you because we consider that you are not paying for the, the, the diploma or the dues that you, you received. And in that kind of model, you can have a smart contract actually enforce this and you say, hey, you know what? Sure, every month, the smart contract will go withdraw $10,000 or thousand, whatever is the thing that you pay. And if at the end of the month, you have not paid your dues, we take back the certification because we assume that at that point, you don't, you're not, you don't deserve it anymore, I guess. Um, and once you've paid it completely, obviously the smart contract will give you back the full control of the of that uh, certification that you'd have to pay on a monthly basis, uh, something like this. And these are things that, that that's are- a, uh, That's a good idea I hadn't actually thought of, so I really appreciate that. I mean, you know, uh, we'll, we'll go use that. We'll help uh, finance people to be able to get their certified digital asset advisor. And then if they if they don't pay, we get to we get to take it back. It's collateral now. It's collateral, exactly. That is exactly the term. It is collateral. You can collateralize your NFT by still owning it, but giving to a, a DAO or some organization the transfer rights. And so that means that now it, it works the same as a mortgage on a house. Like you technically still own your house, except that the bank in practice has the transfer rights if you stop paying your your, your mortgage. Right, and and. You know, you brought up an interesting point that I can go get my certified financial planner designation. And of course, I can get access to certain things by virtue of the fact that I have my CFP, I have my number. But that requires that some other company and their website has to get, have hooks into the CFP database and the CFP actually owns that information versus the fact that all I have to do is connect this wallet and show that I have it. And no one has, no one actually owns that data. No one owns the fact except for me. I own the fact that I am a certified digital asset advisor, which is just a change in mindset. It is, it goes along with most of what we talk about in Web3, which, which is who has control and who has ownership. This is the ability to, to give it, to bring it back to me. Yes, and at this, I mean, and it's, I mean, obviously the sensor resistance here is critical. But again, I want to insist on the fact that once you have control over this, you start to be able to build on top of this without, re without um, expecting or hoping that the platform that created it will still be around and will allow you to leverage this uh, in ways that you want. I'm, I'm coming from the from the the web space, as I said earlier, um, and. So many times I've seen people build whole companies on top of the Twitter API or the Facebook API. And then Twitter or Facebook decides to change the terms. Well, all of these businesses can just go, I mean, close doors basically, because at that point their whole thing doesn't work anymore. And everything that we've done, or not everything, but a lot of things that we've done on the internet over the last 20, maybe plus years 
are built with these gatekeepers, with these kind of middlemen that are in full control of what people can do with data. And, and I don't think that's the right approach to these things. In the end, if we want, and I think that's already the case, to have a collective brain that is kind of the internet, we cannot have a small number of very powerful corporation be in control, or even like small corporation in practice, be in control of, 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 of the data or the information uh, so that nobody can easily build on top of it uh, ways to make it better. Um, so really, I mean, the model is actually going back to the actual card. Like, I, I, I don't know how it was before the internet for, for CFPs, but I'm sure they had a, a card that they would show to their customers or to their clients and say, hey, look, I can prove to you that I have the card. And, and the, 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 the CFP organization could not take my card if it was in my wallet. And here's the same idea. It's like, I've got the card in my crypto wallet in a, in a digital version, and now I can actually go to my customers and my clients and say, hey, look, here is a proof that I have this. Ideally, at some point, I want to be able to say, hey, these membership, you can show them on your LinkedIn profile. Like, you can assert that you're a certified CFP uh, and then show that on your LinkedIn profile. Maybe even on your Twitter profile. It's like, you, look, I'm doing these things. I can prove to you and Twitter will show um, that actually I have this, uh, this membership in my wallet. Right. They, they provide that level of verification, right? That, that I just connected and it's, it's like the blue check they have, but I don't have to go through Twitter to do it. Uh, there's some other body that has certified me. Twitter yes. checks that token and says, I have that NFT, yep. which by the way is non-transferable, so I can't go give it to anybody else. And once I have it, then CDAA shows up on my bio and it's been verified, but it's not Twitter that decides that. It's not exactly LinkedIn right. that decides that. Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. So, uh, Julian, I know that you you know have other thoughts and ideas about the you know the Web3 space, and I know that that unlock is also a DAO or, or has a, a you know a DAO that, that's managing it. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because of course this is not just talk about you know our, our awesome token about how we're the, the first people to do this as much as I love talking about how cool we are. Um, I want to talk about uh, you know just thoughts on DAOs and, and thoughts on how things like NFTs and ownership like that are just going to impact investment overall and, and um, in, investment financial basically our financial lives more than anything else. Absolutely, yeah. And so you said Unlock basically is a DAO. So at a core, Unlock is a protocol. It is a way that people like you can just create a membership, as I said earlier. Uh, but one thing that we realized, like, we want all of these memberships to work the same, again, via protocol, something pretty standard. And the only way to do that was to provide kind of standard smart contracts. And once you do that, uh, you, you have to question, and it's a fair question, like, who created these contracts, who minted these contracts, who is in charge of deciding how the contract should work. And obviously at the beginning it was us, but our goal was to say, you know what? It shouldn't be us forever. It should be basically all of the people that use this. And so you, um, <clears throat> the, the horse racing thing that I mentioned earlier, Forbes, anybody who uses the membership is entitled to owning some of our governance tokens, basically. And, and it's actually already in place and that actually works already. People, every time there's a new membership being purchased, there is a new governance token that is minted. And these governance tokens are basically DAO tokens. They allow all of the holders to collectively vote on how the membership protocol should work. So maybe at some point you say, you know what, membership should support I have no idea, like a, a very secure way of doing something different. Uh, and at that point, uh, it's collectively, all of the people that use the protocol should agree on whether this is a good idea or not. And if it is a good idea, whether I think it's a good idea or not, doesn't really matter. It's going to happen. Basically. It's it's kind of a self-enforcing mechanism. It's autonomous in, in a DAO sense. Um, so that basically, uh, now that the majority agrees that it's the way it should work, it's going to work that way. Um, generally, I think DAOs are 
one of the, I mean, obviously I'm biased here, but one of the very interesting things that are emerging from the, from the crypto uh, era, I would describe this. If you, if, if you, I, I tend to, I mean, I actually did a presentation a couple of months ago where I, I prepared a lot, uh, think about uh, human organization. And if you go back uh, almost like 20,000 years, right? Like there was barely any organization. It was basically the family of the tribe. Uh, and, and the reason why we had no organization because we didn't have really have good collaboration tools. Like the voice was pretty much the only way you can collaborate with people. And so that was limited to the people that were around you almost all the time. Uh, and, and basically um, it would be 10, 50, maybe 100 people at most, but barely more than that. Uh, move forward a couple, a couple, a couple thousand years, obviously, and then you move into the the, the time where um, uh, writing appears, and all of a sudden you start to have a collaboration tool that allows you to kind of extend a group to people that are not necessarily right here at the same time, because you can write on paper or somebody can write on paper, and then give that paper to somebody else, and so they're not necessarily at, around you to listen to your voice, and so that creates kind of a new uh, the emergence of new kinds of an organization like cities basically where now it's not so much 50 or 100 people it's kind of maybe a thousand maybe a couple thousand people that are together and able to work because now there's ways to actually have the information uh, flow uh, more easily and that's also the same time you see the appearance of say armies or uh, the beginning of larger groups of armed people because they can collaborate in a much more efficient way fast forward a couple of centuries again you the invention of i mean the printing press right so like all of a sudden now you can have a much you know, high fidelity uh, way to transfer information, not only in space, but also in time. Like a book can, I mean, some books are thousands, not thousands, but hundreds of years old. And so that's kind of very interesting to be able to kind of collaborate across time in some way. Um, I do think that one of the impact of the printing press uh, almost direct is the actually invention of the, uh, the limited liability corporation. Like when, when you have books, you start to have, uh, laws that are much deeper and richer than, you know, kind of a table of 10 uh, commandments. Basically, you start to have like real ability to create like, okay, very complicated books and of rules of how people are going to work together and how businesses are going to work together. And so you think about like the emergence of this new organization, which is the corporation. I think that's kind of the, the almost direct consequence of the printing press. And now comes the internet, uh, say 20, 30 years ago. And really, we have not seen until now, I think, since the DAO is happening, uh, a new kind of organization that emerges w despite the emergence of this new massively uh, uh, new communication slash collaboration uh, technology, which is the Internet. Like, you and I are on two different continents. Uh, we met in person once, but we could have never met in person uh, in practice. And yet we're working together. This is kind of we obviously don't speak the same language when we were born. We very culturally very different. And yet we're able to collaborate. And this is because of the internet. And so I think um, the internet is going, as a, as a new communication pattern, it is going to have its new kind of organization. And the DAOs are, in my mind, like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I completely did not expect this to go that direction in, in terms of uh, getting the, the history lesson and the thought behind how the the ability to communicate has now has given us all these different uh, ways that we collaborate among yes. each other, whether it's, as you said, cities, uh, later countries, the ability, as you said, to, to the, the, what the printing press gave us is actually the ability to write down laws and know that they would last longer than the and time contracts. of a, of a yeah. papyrus scroll or yeah. the time that I'm yeah. alive because when I'm dead, then no one can go prove what I said as law. Exactly. Once you can print it and put it in a book and have it last for, for decades, now it can be a law that lasts much longer and therefore we can have a more stable government yep. because we actually have some code to go back to. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah. Lo and behold, we start to get Bitcoin, we start to get crypto. Now we have some code to go back to. For but the problem yes. is yeah. we, we organized ourselves. We've started to organize ourselves in on the in Internet terms, not necessarily by geographic region. Not anymore, anymore. Yeah, exactly. but just by what we're interested in yes. or, or what we want to do from a, a business perspective. Absolutely. And therefore, that's where cryptocurrencies come in, tokens come in, because when I have a group of people that we share the same interest, we have a, a community, even though we're not next to each other, we need some sort of currency yes. for our community. Yes, exactly so, right. Exactly. And I, I'm not a I'm not a linguist, obviously, but I, I suspect when you think about currency, uh, the, the fact that there is current in it is basically the 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 value that we collectively own together basically and and so that to me is what you said it's like it's not anymore about nations where yeah okay people in the same country obviously share the currency because they're they're together but like now we start to have uh communities of interest that are not geography based that are just interest based it's like oh we both like pokemon or we both like tennis or we both like uh, financial planning we can definitely imagine having our own currency our own badges our own membership cards and we're going to go back to uh, to unlock obviously if we go there but like we can now have our common objects that we use as a way to collaborate and start building things together because we have a, a way of trusting that we share uh, some public good in that way which is the idea of the and part of the yeah. beauty of it is, so we, we, again, can talk about the unlock token, right? This, this non-fungible token. And what that does is it proves that I can be a member of this community now. I get to prove yes. that I can be a member. I've done what it takes to be a member. And therefore, I can participate in that currency and in, in, in this community. And so I feel like what a lot of NFTs are doing and, and just tokens in general. But, but what we're able to do now and as we get more into Web3 is I can kind of prove who I am. A lot yes. of times I can prove, you know, who I am. I can decide what information gets shared and therefore I can be a member of your community. And the proof is here. It's immutable. You can either see what I've done. You can see that I've done these transactions. You can see that I own this token and therefore I get to be a member of this community. It, it kind of goes along with things like immigration, with things like being a citizen. I get to show that I'm a citizen of the Certified Digital Asset Advisor of the Planner Dow community yes. by virtue of the fact that I've gone through this exam. Absolutely right. That's exactly right. It's the passport of the community, basically. You can say, hey, look, this is a proof that I have that says that I did get that exam or that I'm part of this community specifically. Okay, so where, what else do you do you think of in terms of, uh, we'll talk specifically, I guess, about non-fungible tokens, because that's really what you've yes. created. So, of course, they've gotten all the hype around uh, the, the NFTR and the PFPs and, and the things that have gone up wildly in value and the collectibles like, like Top Shots. But where else do you see uh, NFTs going? You know, we talked a little bit about music royalties, which Nas just launched something where, you know, using Royal, which I think was really uh, impressive. Yeah. But what else do you see happening with, with NFTs? Honestly, the way to think about NFTs is almost like a tag, like a, a barcode in some way. Like, I, I know it's not as sexy as uh, obviously saying it's a, it's, a, it's a PFP or some kind of uh, art uh, representation, but it, it is really kind of a label. It's like, hey, you mentioned the Twitter uh, blue check. It is an NFT. It's a, it's non-fungible i have one if i had two i can't really mix them in two and then split them apart it doesn't really work like this it's and so all everything in your daily life that is kind of unique an object that has a barcode could be an nft i don't know if it's worth doing for a book but you can say hey this is a book and this could be represented as an nft that i purchased so when i got this book on amazon now i have this forever in my wallet so yes i've got the physical device but now i can 
I don't know, prove to somebody else that I read the book. Or maybe, you know what, maybe they're going to write a, a follow-up to that book and then I'm going to be able to get it before anybody else because now that I can prove that I had purchased the book, the first book first. And so maybe they create some kind of period where they say, you know what, only the people that have read the first version of this uh, can purchase the second uh, iteration of the book. Um, you uh, Honestly, it's, it really is about uh, putting every single object on a blockchain. It's kind of uh, grandiose to say this, but it, it really is the idea that to make them programmable and programmable in a way that is trusted and safe. It's like, I don't have to use the Amazon API. It's like, no, 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 this, there is maybe the author of the book, maybe uh, whoever is the, uh, the, the editor uh, could have created that and say, you know what, since we did this, we can mint the NFT that represents this. And I don't know for a book if that makes sense, but like for food, for example, you can all have all of the provenance. Like you can say, hey, cool, that coffee that you bought, we know was actually produced by this uh, Guatemala farm. It traveled through Mexico. It was treated in that facility in Texas. And it was then shipped on this truck that went to New York. All of these things, not necessarily very valuable as... Um, financial object, but actually create a ton of value for the for the supply chain. And if it creates a ton of value for the supply chain, it creates investment opportunities for people that believe that it's actually going to impact this. I was actually on a call yesterday with somebody who, who told me about the uh, the, the ship containers. Um, how, in I think it was uh, 69, if I'm correct, they were invented at the time and how big a, re a revolution that was for basically global shipping of everything around the world. Like you would not be able to purchase things on Amazon today if it is not for the fact that containers got standardized and it was then so much easier for <clears throat> a coffee producer, a, a bike maker out of Germany to all of a sudden ship bikes all around the world without thinking twice about what kind of box they're going to put the bikes in because in the end they just become standard and they travel all around the world in, you know, at this point, you can go from anywhere to anywhere in less than eight weeks, I think, uh, which is kind of mind-blowing if you think about the fact that 100 years ago, it would take at least three months to go from uh, Europe to Texas. Okay, yeah, and I, you know, I think about NFTs in those respects and for, of course, this is aimed at financial advisors and financial planners. The important thing is to understand how to utilize those those techniques or, or those technologies that we use to hold on to those that proof to hold on to that ownership and that that ownership or, or that history of I'm a I'm a certified financial planner I'm a certified digital asset advisor or this is my house this is the warranty that yes. goes with it or this is my education history and I get to show it on chain and I think that is so important for financial advisors to be able to understand how to help their clients make sure that that's an important part of their life would, to keep it safe and secure. Absolutely. This is the tax I paid on this year. And now I've got some proof. I don't have to keep a paper and hope that somebody in the government is going to keep track of their side of the paper as well. Uh, I, all of these things, uh, again, like the, the proofs, uh, the cryptographic proofs are something that is completely going to change pretty much everything. Like from, Again, estate. It's like, oh, uh, that person died. We're going to split this between their, 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 uh, how do you call this? The people that are going to inherit from this. Uh, we have proof that the person actually owned it. And we even have proof that maybe in their, uh, in their testaments, they mentioned that it, testament is that the word, the thing that you write when you're supposed to die, the, the will, oh, the, the in, will, in, the will. Sorry. Yeah. We don't use the same word in French. Uh, in their will, they say, all right, cool. This is going to go for X and Y and Z. Now, I mean, we all read in books like, oh, aunt blah 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 and uncle blah 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 did not agree on like well now you can actually have signed cryptographically proven things and there is no way somebody could forge somebody else's signature on a piece of paper saying hey no 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 actually this goes to aunt uh, lila versus aunt uh, Anne or whatever that is um 
all of these things are going to make things so much easier uh, in ways that, again, we I don't think we realize yet, um, but are going to have a massive impact on, on all of the fields and especially, I think, uh, everything that is finance related, obviously, because trust is critical in that area. All right, Julian. Well, the, it, it's so interesting to to kind of you know pick your brain. I know you and I got to you know finally meet up uh, at a, at a conference last year, and hope to to get to meet up soon where we can yeah. you know talk much longer about about things like this. But I really appreciate your uh, coming on here, even through your your COVID quarantine here, and uh, talking to us about it, and talking to financial advisors about it, and so excited that we're able to use the Unlock Protocol to launch the first uh, tokenized certification in in the financial world. Absolutely. And thank you very much for having me. It was a blast. I look forward to seeing you in person again. But hopefully uh, people that are listening to this are going to find this interesting. Feel free to send me questions either through you, Adam, or through me on Twitter uh, or find unlock, uh, unlock-protocol.com on the internet and ask us questions. We're more than happy to answer and help anyone deploy their own memberships. Right. And I, and I tell people they are very uh, responsive in the Discord group as well. Uh, very responsive on on Twitter, and I highly recommend anyone who's looking for you know memberships or certification check out uh, Unlock Protocol. And uh, thank you, Julian, and you know for everyone listening. Thanks for listening here to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the only CFP that matters. Unlock.